Hello and welcome to At a Theater Near Me. I'm Chris and I'm going to a movie in the movie theaters every day for an entire year. Uh, so this this episode is going to be kind of a quick one, I think, and I go over the basic rules uh, of how this is all going to work, hopefully for the next year, and also talk about uh, the movie I saw today, which is Ghostbusters Afterlife. Uh, we'll do I'll do a review of that movie as well as kind of talk about Ghostbusters in general uh, at the end of the episode. Uh, that's typically how this format is going to go. The first half will be uh, either talking about kind of the uh, the endeavor at large or uh, strategies involved with the endeavor. For instance, uh, on Monday's episode, because uh, these will come out every other day. So Monday morning's episode, we'll talk about the box office report and uh, basically just kind of, kind of the strategy for how best to, to do this and plan for what movies to see when. Okay, so um, the rules of the game. So <laughs> I'm going to be seeing a movie in the movie theater, like I said, every day for an entire year. And uh, the, there are a few rules here that I set for myself, um, so this would make at least some semblance of sense. Uh, so, first rule is one movie a day. So I can't go and see, you know, a triple header and then take the next, you know, two days off. So it has to be one movie a day, and it always has to be in the movie theater. So no streaming, uh, nothing like that. So. Uh, it can be the same theater uh, in back-to-back uh, -to -back days. Uh, for instance, I went to uh, the Regal Concord, Regal Cinemas in Concord, New Hampshire today. We'll talk about that a little bit uh, as well. Um, but I can go to Regal uh, tomorrow as well. Uh, I won't be, but uh, I could according to uh, the rules that I've, of course, set for myself. That really make no sense at all. Uh, the movies uh, cannot repeat. So I saw Ghostbusters Afterlife today. I can't a week later go see Ghostbusters Afterlife again. Has to be a new movie every time, which really creates kind of a logistical nightmare for myself. So um, typically in a given week, there are anywhere between one to four new releases a week. Uh, with COVID and everything else, there's been closer to one than four, but that's a pretty good rule of thumb. Usually in any given month, you have about eight to 10 wide releases. Uh, you know, say for January. Sometimes in December, you might see more because some movies are coming out for that Oscar rush. But that's a pretty good, you know, eight to 10 is a pretty good guideline. So how am I going to see 30 movies in January uh, and only have, you know, eight to 10 new releases? So that's where kind of some of these older films are going to come into play. For instance, tomorrow, I'll be going to uh, Cinema Salem and seeing a movie called Sabrina. Sabrina came out in the early 50s, has Humphrey Bogart in it. Uh, it was a remade uh, years later in the 90s with Harrison Ford and Greg Kinnear. Um, but I'm going to be seeing the, you know, the 1950s version. Uh, and that's where it's going to be these classic movie theaters like Cinema Salem or uh, Coolidge, the theater in Coolidge Corner or uh, the Brattle Theater also in Cambridge. Um, those are going to really kind of be a lifeline for me. The movies need to be at least 60 minutes. So um, I, I can't go and see like a 20 minute movie and be like, oh, all right, you know, check that box for the day. It has to be at least 60 minutes, which is what I believe, I believe that is the rule of thumb for the Academy. I think it has to be at least 60 minutes to qualify for a best picture. Um, you also, you'll see shorts if you ever watch like the Oscars, you know, near the middle of the Oscars, kind of the boring part of the Oscars, they'll have like, oh, best animated short or best short film. And that, I believe the rule of thumb there is it has, to, it has to be under an hour for it to be qualified as a short. Now, I know the Portsmouth Music Hall here in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, every year, what they do is they release all of the shorts uh, in like one block of time uh, that were nominated for best uh, short. So I might go see that, uh, that 
I might go to that uh, that showing of those shorts in February or March whenever they make that announcement. Uh, and that would count as a movie, I, I believe. I think that's pretty fair. If I should go see five shorts, uh, that would count, especially if it's all in one block. But as far as seeing just one short, that wouldn't qualify. It has to be has to be a film. Same, honestly, that, that's something that probably wouldn't come up very often. But this next caveat, I think, would come up more often. And that is it can't be a special or a concert unless it's widely released. So documentaries count. So I can totally go see a documentary. That that should be in play. Uh, but uh, some of these, like for instance, Betty White, who just died, uh, she has her 100th birthday party, which never happened, but they, of course, recorded something. And they were going to put it out like one night only in movie theaters. Uh, and I'm not counting that. I'm not going to go see that. I don't think that counts as a movie. There's no narrative there. Uh, same thing with concerts. So like, let's say I, like, like the last waltz had is playing somewhere that would count that was widely released by studios it has a director that i think is a fair thing what i'm talking about is you might see it if like sunday mornings the movie theaters they'll have like the metropolitan opera house will give a performance of swan lake or something i don't think that counts that or uh they'll have um sometimes they'll show art galleries like oh we went to the louvre and here's kind of a walk through of the louvre like that's not a movie that doesn't have a narrative that, that's not something you can i don't think critique or or talk about or evaluate on the same level as say other movies you know classics like you know clifford the big red dog or something uh but so I am going to count um, documentaries, but I'm not going to count specials. So like the Betty White thing or any of these, um, I think the company that produces them is called Fathom. They'll put out a number of uh, these weird specials, things like that. Now Fathom also does every year they team up with Turner classic movies and once a month they'll put out a classic film. So January's movie is Casablanca. Obviously, as I'm sure you can uh, figure out by the rules of the game so far, that would count. So I'm going to go see Casablanca. I think it's January 26th, and that would count. But most of Fathom stuff uh, wouldn't be relevant to what, what I'm doing here. Uh, no sneaking in food unless the theater allows it. Uh, I'm going to talk a lot more about the finances and kind of expenses and, and try to be as transparent as possible with this. The main goal here is to do this for under $10,000 for the year. Uh, that's, that's the goal. Now everything counts. So even like gas tolls, uh, if I have to go, um, get a hotel room somewhere, all those things would count. And obviously the biggest expense probably would be to some extent, you know, tickets and any food I get at the theater, you know, soda, popcorn, things like that. Um, so, uh, I'll talk more about it uh, on Wednesday's episode as well, but I have two cards, two passes. I think that should help. I'm going to have the regal, uh, pass, which is basically allows you to have unlimited movies. Now they can't be 3d. They can't be IMAX, but my understanding, I used the regal pass today at the Concord regal is that for, uh, it was $42 for three months, but I think I got one month free. So I think it's like 21 bucks a month. And for that, uh, I'm able to see any movie in regal cinemas. Uh, it doesn't seem to be any restrictions. Now, the one caveat there is I can like order it ahead of time, I guess, to reserve my spot. Um, but if I go and pick it up there, I got to pick like, a $1 convenience charge. So obviously I'm trying to avoid that to get under that $10,000. So like today I did not, I figured Ghostbusters Afterlife, uh, the 1230 showing in Concord wouldn't be widely attended. And I, I was mostly right. There were 20 people there, which shocked me. I thought it would be uh, empty completely, but uh, no, there were, there were definitely some people there, but certainly not, not close to a sellout. Um, but if I was going to go see like Spider-Man, I probably would want to do that. But, um, we'll talk a bit about strategy in a second when it comes to Spider-Man and things like that. Um, so, uh, so the expenses and things like that, I'm going to have the Regal card. I'm also going to have the AMC card. I have yet to use the AMC card because uh, you know, obviously it's the first day of the project. But the AMC card um, is uh, 
only allows you three movies a week. Uh, but with the AMC card, it looks like I can do things like IMAX or uh, 3D. I'm not a huge 3D guy. I really kind of hate 3D in cinema. Uh, but it looks like some of the maybe nicer uh, theaters I could get into. Um, but that's the difference between Regal and AMC. The more obviously I use these cards, the more I'll explain kind of what the benefits or what the, the negatives are with each of them. Um, so how is this going to work logistically for me in my life? Uh, so trips are going to be difficult. Uh, so trips, like if I want to go say jump on a plane and go to Arizona or go to Las Vegas, I'd have to see a movie that day. So that would obviously could be challenging. I will say for the first quarter of the year, first three months here, uh, I am married. I have no kids. I live in, uh, I live in New Hampshire. Uh, so I don't, I don't have any, uh, plans to really leave New England, uh, for the next three months. We're going to be going to Boston a few times, um, and have some overnight trips there, but everywhere we're staying, there's a theater pretty close by. So that shouldn't be an issue. Uh, where I live, I think is an interesting, uh, challenge point here. So um, I think, you know, if you did this in Arizona, you did this in California, Florida, it might be a bit more, a bit easier ride. Uh, I'm kind of adding a little level of difficulty here just by living in New Hampshire. And we have a lot of snow here. We have a lot of, you know, just on Christmas day, we had a huge ice storm, which would have been really challenging for me to get out. Uh, in the town I live in, uh, I'm in Newmarket, New Hampshire, which is uh, pretty close to the New Hampshire, Massachusetts line. I'm on like that, that seacoast area uh, of New Hampshire. So um, it's actually easier for me to get to Boston than it would be to get to like the White Mountains to shorter drive, just so you kind of understand where I am. Uh, but in my town, like they have a, you know, obviously salt trucks, sand trucks, things like that. On Christmas, the sand truck went off the road. So I'm thinking, oh my gosh, if the sand truck goes off the road, then, then I'm really fucked. Like if I was going to try to get out that day. So at Christmas, I was definitely like, oh, I'm so happy this is happening on December 25th and not, you know, January 5th. But, you know, it's a long winter. Uh, it's January 1st. There's no snow on the horizon this week, I don't believe. I, I checked the weather pretty religiously now. Uh, looks like the next week we should be pretty clear. But let's say there is going to be a huge snowstorm. You know, that's something I'm going to have to manage. Uh, might mean me getting a hotel room close to that theater. The nearest uh, theater to me is uh, over five miles away. So I don't have anything within walking distance for me from my house. So uh, if I'm going to need to get somewhere where I really don't want to drive at all, that might mean spending the night in Boston, spending the night in in Portsmouth, New Hampshire here, uh, or maybe even going to, to New York if I had to. I mean, New York, I lived in New York for a few years. They don't really ever shut the theaters down because of snow. So I think it's a pretty safe bet where I could jump on a, on a bus and, and be in New York and uh, you know maybe ride out the storm from there. Oldest movies first. That's going to be a big thing here. And we're going to talk more about that on the Monday episode. I'm going to walk through the box office, box office report on Monday. Uh, I'm going to take that late Sunday night. The box office report comes out on Sundays. So we're going to kind of walk through um, kind of this the schedule here. The plan, the strategy I have is uh, I want to see movies that are going to be at the very, very, very end of their run. So for instance, Ghostbusters uh, the week before, uh, had uh, had taken off a thousand screens from the previous week. So what that means is, you know, Ghostbusters, I believe, was playing in, say, 2,000 screens, uh, and half of them were taken away just in one week. So that's a, that's a pretty telltale sign that uh, Ghostbusters doesn't have long long to live for here in these movie theaters. So I got to go and see that quick. I know Encanto, that's a movie that got taken off of a thousand screens. That's something I need to see uh, within the next couple weeks here, I think, as well as House of Gucci. I'll be seeing that this week. So that's one way I'm kind of trying to figure this all out. The other thing is I'm trying to avoid any movie that's in the top 10 in the box office. Right now, the box office is 
crazy. Uh, it's I've been looking at box office reports. I'm 42. Been looking at box office box office reports. Easy for me to say. Uh, for a good chunk of my life, I just love looking at charts and kind of seeing what makes money, what doesn't. I've never seen charts like this. You have Spider Man, which is making insane money, like record breaking returns. It is making an absolute killing right now. Uh, just wild, wild amount of money. Um, stuff maybe if you're you know. If you're a certain age, like Titanic made a lot of money, but it did it over a very long period of time. Uh, this is so truncated and so severe. It's, it's almost hard to wrap your head around how much money Spider-Man is making. On the flip side, every movie from two through all the way down to 20 is getting annihilated. They're doing terrible. So you have movies like Nightmare Alley. I mean, that has Bradley Cooper. It has, it's directed by, uh, you know, Guillermo del Toro, one of the, you know, he was one of the best picture. Uh, and that movie is, is, it might not make $10 million in the entire run. Uh, it was in 11th place last week. The number 10 movie last week was a, a Hindu movie, a movie that was uh, in a, in the Hindu language. I, I, I might end up having to see that next week as well. I, I guess it is playing, uh, I think it's playing at AMC Methuen, a couple other theaters that uh, has subtitles. Uh, so I might ha end up having to go see that. But the fact that a foreign film um, is beating, you know, a, a Bradley Cooper movie is just kind of hard to wrap your head around. It just goes to show you that people will go out and see these major tentpole movies. Go Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters. Uh, there's only been 11 movies so far this year that have made over $100 million. Ghostbusters is in ninth place for the year. Um, so uh, there are some movies, Marvel movies. I'm going to see the movie Eternals. I'm seeing that uh, this week. Uh, that movie is uh, obviously made over $100 million. That movie did okay. These Marvel movies do all right. Uh, but these regular movies like House of Gucci, uh, West Side Story, I mean, Spielberg, uh, and The Nightmare Alley, of course, these movies are just getting annihilated. I mean, there's just no audience for them. So it's going to make this more challenging because I'm afraid that those kind of movies are going to be in and out of the box office so quickly that I, I got to make sure I see them in time, but I don't want to see them too early and then um, miss out on other movies that might be exiting the box office. So it's been a really kind of tough thing to kind of manage. Uh, hopefully this box office report that comes out on Sunday will be a little clearer, but I really doubt it because not much has changed in the, uh, the week before it to this week. So I don't know. Uh, this, this could be a rough road uh, ahead as far as that's all concerned. So we'll have to, you know, obviously monitor that. Um, that's pretty much the long and short of kind of the rules I want to get into. We're not going to have any advertisers on this one, partly because I'm producing this episode myself. I've never done this before in case something is the sound is just like unbearable or I completely fuck something up. I didn't want to have a sponsor pay for that. So this one's kind of a test run in a way. Uh, this first episode, obviously it counts. I saw Ghostbusters, you know, January 1st. Uh, but as far as an, uh, kind of a regular episode, this is gonna be, like I said, a little bit, maybe a little quicker, a little bit, you know, stranger, maybe hopefully it's more, I'd like to tell more stories stories about going to the movies and things like that. This is, I just want to give kind of a quick kind of uh, rules of the game here uh, before we get into Ghostbusters. So uh, if you are interested in uh, sponsoring uh, the podcast, we'd love to have you. Uh, we we had a couple people already sign up, a couple companies sign up. So that's super exciting for me. Uh, and we'd love to have you uh, join as well. So it's at a theater at gmail.com. So, uh, you know, spell it at a theater. Uh, theater er uh, at gmail.com and we have ad rates that start as low as 50 bucks um so you know please jump in i'd love to you know be able to work with you partner up with you chances are if you're listening to this you're a movie fan too so obviously i'll to talk movies with you as well um so let's get into my experience today at regal cinemas and ghostbusters so i went to the regal cinemas in concord uh which is a 
it's a rough, it's a rough theater. Uh, back when I was a kid, when I kid, uh, meaning, you know, the nineties say there were two movie theaters in Concord. I believe it was a Lowe's, um, that was downtown, uh, closer to the downtown area of Concord, New Hampshire, if you know that at all. Concord, New Hampshire is a pretty sleepy town. Obviously it's the capital of New Hampshire, but everything shuts down at like 5 PM. The second the politicians go home, like the whole town just completely shuts down. So, uh, there was a movie theater there that had, I believe it was a three screener, but it was like, it was built in like the seventies. It even had like an outdoor box office. So like, you know, you're out, it's New Hampshire. It's fucking freezing cold. You're out there in the cold, shivering, waiting to buy your ticket, complete pain in the ass. Uh, but, and I remember I saw, um, what's the Jennifer Love Hewitt movie? Uh, a horror movie. It was a sequel of it. Uh, I know you did last summer part two. I think I saw it there. Uh, it was funny. I went there to see that movie and, uh, you know, it's a Jennifer Love Hewitt movie. Obviously, you go on, you go on there to see Jennifer Love Hewitt, you know, wear tight shirts and, you know, and watch, you know, teenage girls get, and teenage boys get murdered. So, you know, it's every, you know, everybody there was 18 years old, pretty much, uh, except for my social studies teacher was there randomly. Big grin on his face. Obviously, huge, huge fan of Jennifer Love Hewitt. It was very strange uh, seeing him a couple years after, after high school, uh, very eager to, to watch this Jennifer Love Hewitt movie. Not creepy at all. Uh, but I saw that uh, movie there. I saw, you know, I saw a few movies at that theater. And um, in the late 90s, I think, you know, Regal and uh, Cusillo, there's, there's enough market here for a newer theater. This other theater here, this old Lowe's is, you know, on the way out. It's kind of all beat to shit. Um, so they built this theater. I believe this theater was built in the, in the late 90s. It was built next to the Steeplegate Mall. If you know New Hampshire at all, the Steeplegate Mall is this, now it's, I mean, completely abandoned. I mean, it is abandoned even as far as malls go in 2021. Like this mall is just fucking empty. Like this, the parking lot, it's, it's just so depressing. Uh, it is a, it's a weird, if you walk into Steeplegate Mall, it's all pastel colors, like 1992, like that pink and purple. Uh, it really is like, if you, if, if you're want to bring your kid to a time machine basically and have them just like walk around and like see what life looked like in 1992, like bring them to the Steeplegate mall. It is, it is just complete wasteland. And, uh, I, you walk in there and the only stores left are the stores that like still have like, Oh, years in their lease. Like anyone, the second the lease is up, they're, they're just out of there. Like it is just, it's completely empty. They, they talk in Concord about maybe making that into a, a uh, apartments, uh, maybe senior living, something like that. They're gonna have to do something with it sooner rather than later. Cause like I said, even as far as malls go, uh, that's really just on the way out. Uh, and right next to it though, is the Regal Concord. So I think that the thought process there was, all right, well, you know, every you know, good mall needs a movie theater. In the late nineties, Depot Gate Mall was, was a fine mall. Uh, so they built theater and that theater was, was packed, uh, as I'm sure you can imagine in the late nineties and early two thousands. Like that was definitely like, uh, especially in that area, if you know New Hampshire at all, once you get North of Concord, there's not much. So uh, that Concord destination is, it's more than just people who live in Concord. It's a lot of people that live up North and that's kind of the only, you know, it's the first like outlet they have towards see, seeing theaters and things like that. Uh, you know, malls or do any shopping for, for a good chunk of like central New Hampshire. That's, that's really kind of the, the first step into civilization again. Uh, so the Regal Concord though now though is just, it, it, I, I tweeted some pictures of it. It is just so depressing. The marquee doesn't even advertise the movies. I've never seen this. The marquee advertises this fucking Regal Pass, this like uh, unlimited pass. It has not. It doesn't say one movie they have there. It doesn't say fucking Spider Man. Doesn't say anything. It just has this 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 pass, which the pass is great. I love the pass. I'm using it, I use it today. But I mean, come on, like you you. I think when you do that, you're doing such a disservice. But I, I don't know. Maybe I'm just old and I'm just, I'm sure you're going to hear me say that a lot, but it just kind of bummed me out to like not see any movies there. It looked like it was abandoned. And you drive in there and the parking lot's huge because of course they built it for when the mall was banging. So you have, you know, 
these whole wings of the parking lot that are completely abandoned. And you walk in there, and this is always the case with the Regal Concord. It's just dark. It's just a dark pit in there. You walk in there, and uh, it's, it's a pretty small lobby. It's not a huge theater. Uh, it's a pretty small lobby. You walk in there, but uh, it's just like you walk almost like right into the concession stand. It's the first thing you see when you walk in. There's no like true ticket booth. There used to be ticket booths on the sides, but those are gone, I believe. And you just go to the concession stand, you buy your ticket. It's just like, it's just quiet. It's lonely. It's dark. It's just such a depressing way to enter. It's always been kind of depressing, but it's even worse now because there's nobody there. And, uh, and then, you know, they just haven't taken care of the theater. The seats are pretty old. You know, it's no, no luxury seating there. None of like the recliners things you have in more modern theaters. Now it's, uh, you can tell they're just kind of running out the clock with this thing. So that experience of Concord, Concord cinema is, uh, not great. So I, I can't recommend, I can't recommend that. Um, but the movie itself, uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about it here. Uh, and then I'm going to get into spoilers, but I, I, this will be spoiler free. Uh, and then I'll let you guys know when I talk spoilers. Cause, um, I think a lot of people have seen this. I'm sure that'll be the case with a lot of the movies that I cover. Um, and, uh, I think that some of the spoilers are interesting to discuss. Uh, so this movie is actually okay. Is it completely unnecessary? Yes. There's no reason for this Ghostbusters afterlife to exist. Uh, but it is entertaining. It, it was a fun movie. I'm going to give it a B minus. Um, I, 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 I don't, I don't, I don't know if it needs to be there. Uh, it, you know, all these reboots, uh, all of these kind of experiences, uh, that we've been kind of hit, hit in the head with the last five years, whether it be Punky Brewster or even Star Wars, like it's just constantly rehashing these old stories that we, that people, that us Gen Xers grew up with. And, at some point it kind of loses its magic, but I'm, I'm not going to lie with Ghostbusters. It didn't. Ghostbusters means a lot to me. This is one of my first movies that I saw in the movie theater. Uh, so this is a big reason why I picked it for the first movie to start. This endeavor was this movie. I loved Ghostbusters as a kid. It was on HBO a ton growing up. So not only did I watch it uh, when it came out in the theaters, but you know, it was, it was just on HBO a bunch and it was so funny. It's one of my favorite comedies ever. Uh, it's, it's still in my top 100 movies It's in my top 50. I think, uh, you know, Bill Murray is just hysterical in it. Um, uh, Ivan Reitman's directing is brilliant. It's, it's, it's just scary enough, but never overdoes it. The, the Rick Moranis, I mean, the cast is amazing. I mean, Sigourney Weaver and, and then obviously the Ghostbusters themselves are all, it's just, just a fantastic movie. It's one, it still holds up. We watched it for Quantum Week uh, and it absolutely still holds up. It's just a great movie. It's, it's a really fantastic film. This movie is smart where it doesn't try to be the original Ghostbusters. It doesn't try to do that. Um, it sets, it, you know, it's all takes place with Jan Spengler's family. Egon Spengler's family, excuse me. Uh, Egon, of course, played by Harold Ramis in the original. So it's his daughter and their kids, and they are out west. And because of just simply changing the setting and also having it be kids and not adults, it does make for a different movie. Uh, um, I think I'm going to end there as far as if you don't want any more spoilers. I would I would recommend this film, I guess, if you want to see Ghostbusters stuff. Uh, it's B my, it's a B-minus movie. It's fine. It's okay. It's not as bad as I feared. Uh, you're not going to walk out walk out of there angry. Um, um, but moving forward, I'm going to go with spoilers. I will say one more thing. If you're going to leave now, though, thank you so much for listening. Uh, I uh, hope to catch you on Monday. Uh, we will. I'll be back with uh, the movie Sabrina. Uh, but even if you're not that interested in Sabrina, I know it's an old movie. You might be like, no thanks. Uh, hopefully you stick around at least for the first half and we'll talk about uh, kind of the box office report and kind of what movies I'm going to be seeing the rest of the week and kind of what the best strategies are. Um, for the rest of you, let's get into some Ghostbusters spoilers. Okay. 
So uh, with Ghostbusters Afterlife, um, the end of the movie, the real Ghostbusters are all there. So you have, you know, Bill Murray, Ernie Hudson, Dan Aykroyd, they're all there. Uh, uh, Dan Aykroyd has a quick scene in about the middle of the movie. Uh, and then and then he does, of course, uh, appear there at the end with the other three. There also is a ghost, Harold Ramis. Harold Ramis, of course, died a few years ago. Uh, and it's, it's odd. Uh, it's odd to have the ghost Ramis there. I think one clip of him might've been good, but he ends up hugging like a good chunk of the cast by the end of the movie. Thankfully, he never speaks but it's just weird. Um, but having said all of that, when the three Ghostbusters appear at the end of the movie, I would be lying if I didn't, like my eyes started to well. Like Ghostbusters means so much to me. Uh, it's also just like my childhood coming back on the screen. I know exactly that's why these reboots keep happening. It's why these Punky Brewster or Star Wars or oh, name the thing, even Matrix. Um, a lot of these reboots are happening uh, so we can kind of experience that nostalgia that kick. I mean, I do it, you know, quantum weeks, a nostalgia podcast. So, I mean, I get it. I mean, I understand the, the value there. I, I was just left the first half of the movie. I really enjoyed with the stuff with the kids and Paul Rudd and Carrie Coon. It's really, it's, it's a, it's a well done movie. It's, it's, it's entertaining. Uh, Jason Reitman, Jason Reitman's a very good director. He's of course did Juno. He did the air up there, which is a legitimately really good movie. Uh, so he knows what he's doing, but the end of the movie with when you see the Ghostbusters again, and there's even an after credits clip or uh, with Sigourney Weaver and Bill Murray. And you're just like, I want to hang out with those guys. Like, I don't want to really, the second we see Dan Aykroyd in the bookstore halfway through this movie, I'm like, I don't really want to deal with the kids anymore. I kind of want to hang out with my Ghostbuster friends. Like, I don't really want to, you know, see these people anymore. Uh, so that's kind of a problem. Uh, I think it's a problem Star Wars are into a little bit. Like, oh, we got to hang out with Han Solo. And then, oh, you know, uh, you know, Han Solo is not, not in the next two for sure. Uh, so you kind of miss, you, you get the, it, I know what they're trying to do, they're trying to bring in this new cast. And I will say like Finn Wolfhard uh, in McKenna Grace of the kids, they are really good uh, actors. Uh, Celeste O'Connor is another one of the kids. They, they're like, they brought in really likable uh, child actors. Uh, so they cast this movie really well. So you do enjoy the time you spend with them. But the second you have the opportunity to hang out with the old Ghostbusters, and I get it, Bill Murray wasn't going to do a full length Ghostbusters movie. I, I don't think. I mean, unless you paid him just an insane amount of money. Like, he's been the one that's been stalling this movie getting made for so long. Like, they've had scripts for years, and Bill Murray has vehemently said he won't do it. Uh, so, Maybe you just don't have access to him for the whole movie, but like I'm guessing Ernie Hudson and Dan Aykroyd would gladly do like a quite a bit more scene work than we saw out of them. You know, at the end of the credits, there's an Ernie Hudson, Annie Potts scene that's even fun. Like, you know, and they're, you know, they're not the first people maybe you think about when you think of Ghostbusters, you're probably thinking, you know, Dan Aykroyd, you're probably thinking Bill Murray, uh, you're even thinking Howard Ramis, you know, or Ernie Hudson, you know, for a lot of reasons, uh, maybe some of them quite unfair, uh, it is, is always, you know, is kind of the last guy you think about, but you still enjoy spending time with the Ray Winston character. Like he's still a really enjoy, I'm sorry, Winston Zeddemore character. Uh, he's still a really enjoyable, uh, character. So I did, I did miss, um, seeing more of them. I was left kind of wishing for more there. Uh, but having said that, um, and the Ramus ghost being very strange and odd. Uh, I've seen some reviews that were kind of unfair. I know RogerEbert.com review, uh, they give it one star and they're like, oh, every single part of this movie is simply just a, hey, remember this moment in the original Ghostbusters. And there's a lot of that. There's a lot of callbacks. Um, but 
I don't think it's as bad as, as what people said. I, I, I kind of disagree with that. I think this movie certainly doesn't stand on its own by any means. It's not at all. Uh, it's definitely a Ghostbusters, you know, it's from that family. I mean, it's, it's, but, they, but they also don't shy away from that. But it also is a movie that I think is a bit more unique because of Carrie Coon and Paul Rudd's characters. Paul Rudd plays a teacher. Carrie Coon's the mom of these kids. They have a little romantic thing and it's believable. Uh, and they're both likable actors and then the kid element makes it feel different uh mckenna grace especially as uh as egon's uh granddaughter is fantastic she's really good uh and i really enjoyed watching i would definitely go see another mckenna grace movie she was she was really good she was i really believe that she was she was his granddaughter and that's a tough thing to pull off when if you're like me and you know you're roughly my age you've grown up watching egon so many times in Ghostbusters one or Ghostbusters two, or even those like stupid cartoon, remember the real Ghostbusters? Like think about like what an huge part of our childhood Ghostbusters were. And I think that's why it was so emotional seeing the three of them, these three old men, you know, shoot this, you know, ghost, uh, with the face of Olivia Wilde. You're like, all right, well, you know, if you kind of take yourself out of it for a second, it definitely maybe doesn't have the same emotional impact. And you, if you haven't seen this movie and you're hearing this, you're probably laughing at me. But uh, if you did see it, you are kind of swept up at all of it. It is, it's like, oh shit, I, I love these guys. I love Peter Bankman. He's one of my favorite movie characters ever. Um, so all in all, decent movie. Uh, if you're hearing this, I'm guessing either you, you know, you, you're not interested in seeing it or you have seen it. If you have seen it, I'm kind of curious to hear your takes on it too. Um, I will be back, uh, assuming that this recorded everything and everything came out okay. I will be back on uh, on Monday morning. These episodes are going to drop Monday on, on the morning. So every other day, hopefully for your drive to work, uh, you'll be getting, you know, basically a half, this is, ended up being a half hour anyway. So roughly around a half hour episodes. Uh, and hopefully we can have guests on and talk more about the movie theater industry as a whole as well. I, I've been talking to a couple people that work in movie theaters. I'd love to bring them on, kind of get their takes. Basically everything and anything movie theater or movie related, I'd love to bring up on this show. Uh, and obviously, like I said, if you're looking to sponsor, that'd be great. If you are, uh, if you are listening to this and hopefully please subscribe, uh, five-star reviews don't hurt either. Uh, and, uh, and hopefully I will see you all on Monday morning.